the way that we have to approach the jobs of the future, especially the changing workforce, is we have to change the way that we define what a degree is. Right now, you'd have an arts degree that's majoring in communication, so you would go into the communications field. But to fully prepare for the jobs of the future, we have to look at a degree more as these are the skills you're learning rather than the degree that you've got. Hello and welcome to KPMG's Talking Tertiary podcast, where we reimagine tertiary education for a changing world. I'm Stephen Parker, KPMG's education sector leader in Australia. We've talked before in this series about student experience and the needs of students, so I thought it might actually be about time to talk to a student. And rather like my motto, when all else fails, read the instructions, that's what we've done. We've gone to the top. And my guest for this episode is Molly Wilmot, President of the National Union of Students. She talks about her own story, what the NUS is and does, the student experience of the pandemic, and how students and their needs will change in the future. Here's the interview. Molly Wilmot, welcome to Talking Tertiary. Thanks for having me. I know that we're in lockdown at the moment and internet connectivity is up and down, so I'm sure that my listeners will understand if sometimes the audio is less than perfect. So let's begin by hearing a little bit about you, yourself. What have you been studying? What's your story? So prior to being a US president, I was the president of the University of Melbourne Student Union. I'm a student at the University of Melbourne. I'm in my as much as my mum doesn't like me saying it, our fifth year of a politics sociology degree. And I've basically committed most of my time at uni towards student activism and bettering what student representation is and advocacy on my campus and nationally. So I was the women's officer of the University of Melbourne Student Union, then going to president, now my role here. I am hopefully going to go back to study next year, but that's sort of where, where I've come from and where I am right now. Quite exciting. Yeah, thanks. Great to hear. So now, the National Union of Students, do you represent all students? What kinds of issues do you take up? What does your role entail? So the National Union of Students is Australia's peak representative body for undergraduate students in Australia. We've been around since 1987. A lot of our focus has changed throughout the years and depending on what um, needs to be addressed. But uh, our pretty consistent advocacy has gone in the form of, of education quality, education funding on a national level, like looking at the education minister perspective rather than vice chancellors, but also going into things like welfare and student life. So a lot of what we've been doing over the past few years and our biggest wins as a union has been around Centrelink, ensuring that students are able to support themselves and, and rent, but also things like safety on campus and ensuring that you know there's a consistent response to violence on campus and that we're able to sort of get rid of it as much as possible to ensure that students are able to study and hopefully with a better education system. I think that's sort of a brief rundown of what NUS does, but it's also like we've been pretty involved in things like the Equal Marriage Campaign, where, you know, as much as we are an education and welfare body, we also have a very strong interest towards social challenges, especially right now, climate change. So we're speaking in May 2020. Campuses have either been locked down or partially locked down. There's not much face-to-face live teaching going on in universities at the moment. And I thought it would be good to hear your perspective on what is the impact on students, on undergraduate students at the moment, of the pandemic and their studies. It's very hard to whittle this down into one experience. 
a lot of the impact on study is actually coming from factors outside of the university. So extreme loss of income, mm-hmm. a lot of the measures that the government has put in in the past few months don't cover specific cohorts of students like temporary or casual workers. So students are being forced to, to go to uni when they don't know if they can pay rent or if they can pay their bills or if they can eat, which has a huge issue with mental health, which I'd say anyone in the sector knows that student mental health is, is this huge issue that impacts student education more than anything. In terms of actual education, I think a lot of students have, to not delineate their experiences, have copped it, have copped having to go online. Like I think there's a very clear understanding that I don't think students want to go to uni if there is a health risk to doing that. But I think a lot of the experiences of students right now, it's really hit and miss. So at some campuses, it's also important to say like campuses differ from other ones as well. At some campuses, two-hour workshops have been put into one-hour workshops. That's a huge change to study patterns. I'd say there are a lot of more concerns about the future, which I know we're going to touch on now. But when students are doing their online education and just going through the weeks of study, a lot of the concerns that we've been getting are what are happening with exams, what are happening with graduation. I do a more practical degree like production at a fine arts university. Is that impacted? I can't actually go and do my prerequisites for employment. I think it's quite hit and miss depending on the uni. I was interested in, in the early part of your answer, in effect, the sort of precariousness of many students' lives and the, their reliance on part-time earnings and how badly hit they've been by the pandemic. And contrast that with one or two generations earlier where students were often full-time. They often had a scholarship. In my case, in the United Kingdom, I had a grant that covered living expenses as well. And so when I did work in vacation, it was for extra money. It wasn't for survival purposes. But the lives of of today's students are very different now. Would you agree with that? I completely agree with that. There's dozens of studies that are coming out right now or have come out in the past couple of decades about student poverty. I think when we're talking about the cost of living, a lot of the discourse of wider society is about how the cost of living impacts families, um, which is important. And I'm not trying to say it's not, but the cost of living is impacting students just as much. So because of the way our education sector is now sort of structured in that anyone can get a degree, It's meaning that a lot of students from low SES backgrounds and don't really have the family support that a lot of students 30 years ago had are coming into uni and they're wanting to, you know, get a better job than their parents did. That sort of idea. And what that's meant is that they're a lot more reliant on income. Also, you look at regional and rural, outer suburbs, universities, and a lot of those students require moving out of home. The cost of moving out of home is exponential. Um, in itself. It's also just goes down to changes in our society as well of, of student poverty exists because we're so overly reliant on casual work and in precarious work right now. It's things like Uber Eats, drivers, it's issues like cafe workers are, are absolutely rorted in terms of wage theft. And it, a lot of those industries are mostly student employed, which means that, yes, we're more reliant on jobs in the first place. The jobs that we're more reliant on aren't paying us what we need. Besides this year and only in response to COVID, there hasn't been a substantial increase in student payments or uh, welfare payments in the past two decades. If you look at the the rate of new start before the coronavirus increase, it was below the poverty line. Okay, so let's turn to the future and from the point of view of making it a better future than the present, despite some of the post-pandemic challenges that I'm sure we're all going to face. Looking ahead, what do you think the lives of students are going to be like? Will they be a continuation of today's students and their needs or do you see a different kind of future? 
Oh, that's a big question. I think you have to split up the future into the immediate future after COVID and what it's going to look like in 10 years. <laughs> it's also really important to touch on when we're talking about students in the future as students, international students. There are over a million international students in Australia. And the way our, our education system is set up is that we're very reliant on international students coming into the country for our fees and our research and just sort of our campus communities. I think that's going to be the biggest change to the future of students. You were right to say that it was a big question. In fact, after I'd asked it, I thought to myself, I'm not sure how I would have answered that question. So thank you for taking up the challenge there. Let, let's switch direction slightly then and ask what you'd like to see. First of all, what would you like to see universities do differently in the future? Uh, again, that's another big question. I think what COVID-19 has really shown is that universities weren't necessarily fully prepared for this. They weren't fully prepared for a mass online transition. They weren't prepared for their services to be to be flogged as much. I think when we're looking into the future of what universities need to do, it's, it's ensuring that online infrastructure is really capable of accommodating students and their needs. I think that's the most important thing. Obviously, in saying that, making sure that there's still the in-person teaching element at universities. But I think a lot of what's come out of this is, I think universities know where their infrastructure holes are now in terms of education provision, where they need to be upskilling staff. The importance of staff right now can't be missed, especially our teaching staff. In terms of other stuff, I think universities, and it's not from a very classic like student union perspective of, you know, the universities are the man, but I think universities have seen such a huge issue with student welfare and I'm hoping that what's happened in the past few months shows a lot more compassion from university services towards students. I know student universities try to do things with the best of intentions at heart, but there have been so many issues that have come out about the effects of mental health, disability access, issues with general support that students need. I hope there's more of a reliance on making sure that those services are able to go out to students. Because at the end of the day, if a student's not supported, they're not going to stay at university. Terrific. Well, let's play the other card as well. What would you like to see governments do differently? Oh, there's... I've got a list, um, <laughs> just in very brief terms. I think where the government needs to look at is funding. The sector is expected to lose anywhere upwards of $6 billion due to COVID-19. That is a huge hole in our university's ability to teach students. If that happens and we lose that money, the first people that are going to go are our casual teachers and our casual workforce within universities. People will lose their supervisors. People will lose their favourite tutor. And that's an issue in itself. But also, higher education is already underfunded to start with. If the government doesn't make a proper commitment to funding higher education, there are going to be issues for decades to come, is basically where, where we're at. I think in terms of like a student perspective more widely, there's quite a big push right now that due to COVID-19, New Start, Youth Allowance, Ab Study and Odd Study all raised its rates to a bit closer to the poverty line, which is great. I think there's a huge push right now for that to maintain its levels past COVID as well. We're about to go into mass unemployment, but also the payments need to be able to support students better for the long term. So I think it's sort of going into the the funding of universities is probably the highest priority mm -hmm. the government needs to look at or the sector will fail. That's what a lot of people are saying. And also we need to ensure that our students are, are well supported, especially going into a, a probable recession. Well, that's quite a list, but that's your role, I think, to have a list, isn't it? And push for reforms and improvements from governments and from institutions. 
I guess I should also put to you that the economy is changing, as it always does, but there are predictions of really rapid changes in the economy due to automation and a changing a different world of work so that the kinds of jobs and the way that people do jobs are going to be different in the future. Do you think that puts new demands on universities for different kinds of courses and different approaches and what is taught in terms of skills as well as knowledge? Oh, for sure. I think there's never been a more important period for vocational education as well, looking at TAFEs uh, and actual physical skills. But also when you look at the the jobs of the future, they're going to be impacted the most I think there's never been a more important time for research and looking at your more practical degrees like engineering and some of the sciences and the maths um, and, and those as well. I think from what I've seen from campuses and my own experience on campus, now obviously I come from a very privileged university. I'm from the University of Melbourne. We're very proud of our, our history in sort of dealing with issues like this. But I think universities have really taken on their stride to like see what degrees to introduce that sort of equip people for jobs of the future. I think the way that we have to approach the jobs of the future, and especially the changing workforce, is we have to change the way that we define what a degree is. Right now, you'd have an arts degree that's majoring in communication, so you would go into the communications field. But to fully prepare for the jobs of the future, we have to look at a degree more as these are the skills you're learning rather than the degree that you've got, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, so Absolutely. It, it's going to come a lot from the employment side of this entire conversation and graduate outcomes but sort of if organisations are able to look at resumes and be like, okay, well, you don't have exactly the degree that we want, but you have the skills that are built in, universities building in like extracurriculars and, and sort of the intangible skills you learn at university as well. And I think that's how we'll adapt for the jobs of the future. Terrific. Thank you. Well, it's been really enjoyable and interesting in talking to you, Molly, and I wish you every success for the future. Thank you for talking tertiary with me. No worries. Thanks for having me. Well, that was my conversation with Molly Wilmot, president of the National University of Students. And it was great to hear a feisty voice, even when one dwells normally in the land of consultants. You can listen to other episodes in seasons one and two on our website, kpmg.com slash au slash talking tertiary, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening. And I'll speak with you next time on Talking Tertiary. (laughs) 